Biden and admin officials see proof their strategy is working on hostage deal. Couple things I want to mention on the hostage deal. Number one, for weeks and weeks and weeks, they said Hamas are barbaric Nazi terrorists that are identical to ISIS that you cannot negotiate with. Now, all of a sudden, they are capable of negotiating with them. So which one was it? Were they barbaric terrorists that are simply uh, uh, interested in being anti-Semitic or did they actually have demands? Their actions might be uh, violent and they certainly were on October 7th okay and acts of terror for sure having said that did they have like a rational perspective beyond that or were people constantly telling you that uh, these guys were ISIS and there was no reason there was no reason to try and deal with them and the only way to deal with them was by bombing the shit out of Gaza and killing every Palestinian child you could get your hands on. All of a sudden now, oh yeah, uh, there is a negotiation process. Here's what's important. I thought that a ceasefire could not have happened for weeks. Genocide Joe said ceasefire, no way, Jose. Don't. Don't. That's anti-Semitic. That allows Hamas to win. The chances of a Gaza ceasefire. No possibility. And all of a sudden now, the ceasefire has come. And now they're going to try and take credit for it. And all of the dumb Biden dick riders on Twitter are going to go, dude, our statesman, our elderly statesman, he did it. We did it, Joe. Kamala Harris style. Oh, we did it, Joe. Really? Where was his energy on October 8th? Everybody knew what was going to happen. Some officials say the agreement is a vindication, while others insist it was just a necessary move at this point in the war. Some of the Brandon administration officials quietly say the hostage exchange agreement is the clearest signal yet its strategy towards the Israel-Hamas war is working. Okay. Under the breakthrough deal, 50 women and children will be released by Hamas in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners. Women and teenagers were held by Israelis. Four to five day pause will allow them safer transfer and ease of delivery of life-saving aid to suffering Palestinians in Gaza. Amid so much wreckage and chaos, the hostage deal, which was finalized late Tuesday, might prove a rare bright spot in a dark time. Three U.S. administration officials said there's no explicit victory lap to take as around 200 hostages will stay behind in Hamas's grasp. And it would be uncouth to celebrate any win after Hamas killed 1,200 people on October 7th, leading Israel to, leading Israel to forcefully respond with a military campaign that Hamas led, health ministries claim killed more than 13,000 people. Increasing demands from progressive-minded Democrats for a ceasefire and an end to support Israel's retaliation fell on deaf ears in the White House. Biden and his team repeated again and again that the only way to make the meaningful humanitarian progress was a hostage deal to cool passions and temporarily stop bombs from falling throughout the enclave. And for the record, after Yosef Lipschitz, you know they are not going to let any of those hostages actually talk to international media before doing some press PR coaching. That was a major flub for Israeli PR. Having a 85-year-old peacenik from one of the kibbutzim that uh, was attacked by Hamas turning around and being like, yeah, actually, these guys uh, treated me well and, and, and took care of me. And also on top of that were, you know, not the, the barbarians that you claimed that they were. Because why the f*** would they be, by the way? Even if they are f- barbarians why would they treat the hostages as barbaric monsters in that situation they want to make sure that they stay alive it's their bargaining chip why would they kill the hostages if they literally took the time out to kidnap them still on the verge of the administration's biggest diplomatic victory in the conflict questions are swirling internally about how much credit biden's approach deserves Another three administration officials, including one senior official during an on-record interview, said that working to secure the release of hostages and pause the fighting for four or five days was simply necessary as Israel's retaliation against Hamas for the October 7 attacks has devastated Gaza and sparked a humanitarian crisis. We do have some- Yeah, a month ago, Hamas officials were talking about how they were willing to release all civilian hostages if the bombing stopped. October 17th, 2023. It's been one month since then. What happened? Where were we? Oh, here's the here's the ceasefire is actually uh, Biden's doing uh, argument. And it is Biden's doing for sure. Like there is pressure from the American government. The annoying part is that the American government gave no red lines time and time again. And now they're going to gaslight us into believing that they were actually peaceniks uh, behind the scene, uh, desperately trying to 
cultivate a ceasefire against a relentless Netanyahu administration that just did not want to listen to him. And the reality is much more dire. America could have forced a ceasefire the first day. After all, Anthony Blinken, who tweeted after talking to Hakan Fidan, the Turkish foreign minister, on October 8th that there should be a ceasefire immediately. A tweet that he deleted. But the administration remains wary about Netanyahu's endgame and seeming lack of plan of what to do once Hamas is defeated. There was no sense that the pause would turn into a lengthier ceasefire, senior administration official said. And there was some concern, and this is the most damning part of this article, there was some concern in the administration about an unintended consequence of the pause, that it would allow journalists broader access to Gaza and the opportunity to further illuminate the devastation there and turn public opinion on Israel. From day one, they've said the Israeli government has no plans on what to do with Gaza once they're done with their bloodthirsty, monstrous bombing campaigns. And the American government has kept trying to restrain them while simultaneously saying no red lines, no ceasefire. And I've told you time and time again that this was not a moral consideration. America saying use smaller bombs or maybe do some humanitarian pauses. I told you. It has nothing to do with morality. It doesn't have anything to do with, with, with how normal human beings would uh, act or react to a situation like this. And everything to do with PR. Israel is unlikely to ramp down its military operation in Gaza. When the temporary pause ends, experts say, Israeli officials have vowed to continue the offensive until it destroys Hamas, arguing in some cases that the campaign from the enclaves north to the south helped the hostage negotiations by making a halt more attractive. That's not true. A month ago, Hamas said that they wanted a ceasefire. And a month ago, when Hamas said that, remember what the American State Department and the Israeli government said? We do not want to temporarily cease fire in exchange for hostages. Hamas is simply drip-feeding hostages to us one at a time every single day to try to implement a ceasefire that goes against our better interests. The ceasefire only happened and the hostage negotiation only happened because the family members of the hostages in Israel have been endlessly campaigning for it since October 8th. That's why it happened. And America could have stopped it at any point. Just remember that. Based on your reporting, Margaret, what can you tell us about how this deal came about? Vlad, this was a very small group of negotiators over the past seven weeks. It's been really intense pressure being exerted here. The U.S. was talking to Israel's leaders, its intelligence agency, and it was Qatar that was the conduit to Hamas. Egyptian intelligence also helped. So together, they put pressure on Hamas to provide proof of life for the 50 civilians expected. This is crazy to be like, yeah, they're the ones who put pressure. Like, what do you mean? I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a lot of reactionary assholes in, in the Hamas command structure, too. But they've been trying to get this deal off the ground for weeks at this point and it is the identical deal as far as i understand i might be wrong on it but any, everything i've seen is that this deal that finally came to be is the identical deal that could have happened weeks ago to be first released and then they got israel to agree to allow in cooking oil and fuel for hospital generators to run and to release those palestinian women and children from detention centers and then both sides to halt fighting for these short-term ceasefires that could last four days or more now, we have come close on at least two occasions, once at the end of October and a few weeks ago, but this is the very first time both sides have publicly agreed to the terms. To help close this deal, uh, President Biden also picked up the phone himself. And so, Margaret, what do the phases of this deal entail? 
So once the official halt to fighting is underway, Hamas is expected to begin releasing women and children first, at least three Americans in this first phase. Israel said uh, for every 10 hostages, one more day of ceasefire. And for every hostage they release, uh, Israel will release more Palestinian prisoners. So last night, Qatar said that number of prisoners will be increased in later stages. Israeli hostages versus Palestinian prisoners? Yeah, 100%, by the way. That dynamic is actually really important. I'm glad you caught that. I briefly mentioned this last night, but there's two different ways that Israel can apprehend people that are Palestinian. Uh, we've talked about the different types of IDs, the different types of identification, and the, the uh, amenities that you get in both Israel proper or in the occupied territories, whether it be Gaza or the West Bank. Obviously, Palestinian citizens of Israel have the highest, uh, after Jewish citizens of Israel, uh, the, the highest amenities, they are uh, under the civil structure, they go to the regular courts. Um, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of racism uh, against them, and they don't have all of the same full legal rights. However, they are in a much better situation than the Palestinians living in the West Bank or the Palestinians living in Gaza. Now, in Gaza, all of the people that are Gazan Palestinians are apprehended as enemy combatants, military tribunal, and uh, it's, it's a really gruesome process. In the occupied territories of West Bank, the Palestinians that are apprehended can be apprehended under indefinite detainment, and the structure is pretty similar. It's still a military court. There's still no civil court process, and they can be indefinitely detained with secret evidence. Children, hundreds of them, have been indefinitely detained. What's my take on the deal? It's a good first step, and it's the same exact deal that could have happened weeks ago, but Netanyahu kept wanting to pummel Gaza to satisfy his bloodthirsty urges. This is an Al Jazeera article that covers it uh, a little bit as well. Good time to remind people that Israel doubled its hostages under indefinite detention where the conditions are gruesome immediately after October 7th. These are mostly civilians who were arrested over secret evidence and held under openly torturous conditions by an occupying force. Israel doubled its number of Palestinian prisoners to 10,000 in two weeks. Since October 7th, Israel's arrested 4,000 laborers from Gaza and more than 1,000 people in the Occupy West Bank, Palestinian officials say. Prisoners are subjected to starvation and thirst. They are prevented from accessing their medicine specifically for those suffering from chronic illnesses that require regular medication, adding that matters became worse when the prisoner administration cut off water and electricity. Adamir also reported, this is the Palestinian, uh, Palestinian like a uh, uh, prisoner civil rights group, Adamir, also reported the prevention of the access to medical care. This is Al Jazeera article uh, for those of you who are wondering. I'll, I'll cover the article really quickly. They also shut down in uh, the prison clinics. They also prevented prisoners from going to hospitals and external clinics, despite the presence of some cancer patients among the prisoners who require continuous treatment, said the rights group. They also shut off access to a, a, a canteen where you can buy like toothpaste and other amenities. During periods of calm, under Israel's 56-year military occupation, 15 to 20 people are arrested on a daily basis, which is an insane number. But since October 7th, the daily arrest rate of Palestinians in the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem has gone up to 120 people, according to Palestinian officials. This is done under administrative detention. The unlawful combatants law is the equivalent of administrative detention in the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem. The unlawful combatants law is the one utilized in Gaza. The administrative detention is the one utilized in occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem, which allows Israel to hold Palestinians from those areas indefinitely under secret evidence. Most of the 1,070 people arrested in those areas since October 7 are being transferred to administrative detention, Francis said. They are signing off on dozens of administrative detention orders every day. Is there proof of those numbers? 
numbers. Why were they detained? There is, as a matter of fact. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Israeli human rights groups document this alongside Amnesty International and the Human Rights Watch. It is an apartheid regime after all, so this kind of racist nonsense happens quite frequently. But if you don't want to take my word for it, perhaps you can take the word of, like I said, B'Tselem. B'Tselem has statistics on this. Uh, hold on. Let me let me give you the, the B'Tselem numbers for you so you can uh, maybe hopefully shed yourself of the weird skepticism that you have. Like, don't take my word for it. Administrative detention is the incarceration without trial or charge, alleging that a person plans to commit a future offense. It has no time limit, and the evidence on which it is based is not disclosed. Israel employs this measure extensively and routinely, and has used it to hold thousands of Palestinians for lengthy periods of time. Here's another B'Tselem article on minors in Israeli custody. While detention orders are formally reviewed, this is merely a semblance of judicial oversight, as detainees cannot reasonably mount a defense against undisclosed allegations. By the way, this is not in a civil court structure. This is a military court as well. Nevertheless, courts uphold the vast majority of orders. I believe 97.5% are upheld. A lot of men, women, and children, elderly. It's just kidnapping. It's legalese for kidnapping. At the end of September 2023, the Israeli prison service was holding 1,310 Palestinians in administrative detention. Also, in some cases, the military holds administrative detainees, usually for short periods of time, until there's room for them in an IPS facility. At the end of 2020, the IPS adopted a new policy and stopped providing B'Tselem with the requested figures. Hmm. Instead, it has since published some data on the IPS website every three months. The first year this occurred, wonder why they did that. The first year this occurred, July 2020 through September 2021, the figures published were partial and therefore not included here. The figures from the military are received with significant time delay and provide no details regarding inmates' legal standing. The following figures were provided or published by the military and the IPS, so responsibility for their accuracy lies with them. Uh, regarding who's been released, Israel's Justice Ministry has released a list of the Palestinian prisoners who are expected to be released as part of the deal with Hamas. The list has 300 names, though only 150 will be released at the first stage. None of them have been convicted of murder, some convicted of attempted murder and aggravated assault. By the way, that's a, you know, really interesting way to massage that narrative, but it's fine. There's only, I believe, one person who was uh, convicted of attempted murder. Others convicted of more minor offenses, such as contact with an outlaw group, setting off an explosive, stone throwing, and arson. Here is the, the article I was reading from earlier. Since October 7th, Israel has arrested 4,000 laborers from Gaza and more than 1,000 people in the occupied West Bank, Palestinian officials say. Ramallah, Occupied West Bank. Israel has arrested so many Palestinians in the two we- uh, last two weeks since the start of its bombardment of the besieged Gaza Strip that it has doubled the number of Palestinians in its custody. They did this because they are holding them hostage. There is no reason that they even have to give to hold these people hostage. They do it under secret evidence. There were about 5,200 Palestinians in Israeli prisons prior to October 7th when the Palestinian armed resistance group Hamas launched an attack on Israel, which responded almost immediately with a relentless bombing campaign. The number of prisoners have now risen to more than 10,000 people, Palestinian officials said on Thursday afternoon. Over the past two weeks, according to, two, uh, according to officials and rights groups, Israel has arrested some 4,000 laborers from Gaza who are working in Israel and is holding them in military bases. Separately, it has also arrested 1,070 other Palestinians in overnight army raids in the occupied West Bank and East Jerusalem. Arrests are taking place 24 hours a day, said Sahar Francis, the head of the Ramallah-based Adamir Prisoners Rights Group. Most of the people from Gaza are being held in a military base called Sidet Teiman, 
near the Be'er Al-Sabe, Be'er Sheva, in the northern Naqab Desert, she said. Hundreds of others are being held in Ofer prison near Ramallah and in the Anatot military camp near the village of Anata in occupied East Jerusalem. You saw some of those gruesome images of the Israeli forces arresting day laborers, workers, not even in Gaza, but in occupied West Bank, and torturing them earlier this week in what became a horrifying Hitlerian TikTok trend. Palestinian lawyers and officials have highlighted the severe mistreatment and dire conditions under which detainees are being arrested and held. I also showed you that Itamar Ben-Gvir went to one of the IPS facilities and openly gloated about the fact that they are torturing them inside of the prison structure with sleep deprivation and constantly blasting weird Israeli music. Prisoners are subjected to starvation and thirst. They are prevented from accessing their medicine, specifically for those suffering from chronic illnesses that require regular medication. Adding that matters became worse when the prisoner administration cut off water and electricity. Adamir also reported the prevention of access to medical care. They shut down the prison clinics and also prevented prisoners from going to hospitals and external clinics. They also shut down the water and electricity for a brief moment in time as well. The most dangerous thing over the past few days was the physical attacks and degrading treatment. Everyone who was arrested is assaulted. Many of the prisoners have had their limbs, hands, and legs broken degrading and insulting expressions, insults, cursing, tying them with their handcuffs to the back and tightening them at the end to the point of causing severe pain, naked, humiliating, and group search of the prisoners, he said. Aside from the 4,000 residents of Gaza Strip, most of whom are held at the Sedetainment military camp, about 6,000 passengers are improved, uh, imprisoned in the Israeli jails and detention centers. The 5,200 jailed before October 7 are largely residents of the Occupy West Bank and East Jerusalem. But in the past two weeks, the Israeli army has arrested another 1,070 Palestinians during overnight military raids in those areas. The arrests take place through surprise military raids on Palestinian homes at dawn, humiliating searches of family members in their homes, destruction of property and belongings, as well as verbal and physical abuse. Francis said that the Palestinians being held inside of Israeli prisons and detention centers are cut off from the world. There's no yard time, no contact with their families, no family visits, and no regular lawyer visits, she explained. Israeli authorities have also shut off access to canteens, which are necessary to buy basic supplies such as toothpaste and limited meals to two a day instead of three. The Israeli parliament on Wednesday approved the plan currently effective for three months, allowing the reduction of the minimum living space allotted to each prisoner previously set at 3.5 square meters to accommodate a rising crush of prisoners. If you want to know more about this, a very good resource is Breaking the Silence, an organization that is comprised of former Israeli occupying force veterans who have left the service and now work against the occupation. They are very open about the torturous conditions that they subjected Palestinians to, specifically in the West Bank. I explained all of this to you so you get a better understanding of like how these prisoners are being released and they are and how they are being treated. They are hostages under Israeli the Israeli occupation and as far as we know, their conditions are gruesome. Far more gruesome than what, for example, uh, the 85-year-old uh, Kibbutz Be'eri lady explained how her conditions were under Hamas detention, under as a hostage under Hamas. Now, the situation will vary from militia group to militia group, and obviously it's still unjustifiable and in, in a horrible situation to just have to live in a tunnel structure at gunpoint. But while we were talking about administrative detention, uh, something to consider also is that there are really horrifying, torturous conditions that uh, the Israeli occupying force subjects the Palestinians to. It's called, uh, I think it's called a banana stance is one of them, or one that is dubbed in the grossest ways possible, the Palestinian chair, according to the uh, 
Palestinian prisoner rights group, Adamir. And some of these torturous conditions have also, uh, you know, some of these new and revolutionary ways of, of doing doing torture on, on uh, Palestinian prisoners have also made its way to America. Also, in drafting the U.S. memos on torture, John Yu borrowed the language on the 1987 Israeli Landau Commission, which defined practices of moderate physical pressure as not constituting torture. On August 2002, Department of Justice memo cites a 1999 Israeli high court decision establishing a necessity defense authorizing violent interrogation methods. So, yeah, forgot to mention that as well. Oh, yeah, by the way, the, the detention was the same as the internment that occurred in the at the height of the troubles and the justification for it was identical i just want to mention that as well you know this stuff has happened time and time again it'll never stop do you expect that there will be a full resumption of israeli strikes once all the hostages are returned well israel's prime minister said the war's not over so he's signaling the potential full resumption and it has been one of israel's concerns that in any kind of pause hamas could regroup but this cessation of violence, the diplomacy around it could provide some diplomatic opportunity. Big picture, the Biden administration has been pressing. The thing is, the people that don't want diplomacy in this situation aren't the barbaric rapist hordes of terrorists in Hamas. I know that that is how people have structured this argument because it's one that benefits Israel's psychotic bombing campaign in Gaza. For those of you who are at least racist enough to believe that like you can kill every Palestinian because of the actions of Palestinian militants on October 7. But ultimately, the people fucking up the negotiations process haven't been Hamas. It's always been Israel. And for the record, the people that Israel is releasing are also hostages. Except because they are the state and because they are America's ally, nobody considers them to be hostages and everybody says they're prisoners. They're hostages too. That is precisely the reason why I gave you the, uh, the background. So you understand the conditions in which these people are being held, the Palestinians. And also, so you have a, develop a better understanding on the false bullshit, that the, uh, the, the secret evidence that is used to apprehend them. Do you have proof on it being Israel that ruins peace talks? I always see the argument on places like Twitter, but I, that it's always pa Hamas slash Palestine's fall for everything and would like to have someone to just shut them up. Look to what I showed you. On the 17th of October, Hamas said that they wanted to do ceasefires and release hostages. That was 10 days after October 7th. Why didn't it happen? Hamas time and time again since then openly stated that, oh, they wanted the bombs to stop. Sorry. Hamas said time and time again openly that they would release hostages one at a time every single day uh, in order to trigger a forcible ceasefire, in order to trigger a ceasefire on the Israeli front purely from the logistics of releasing the hostages because you can't release the hostages even if you want to when there's an endless bombing campaign that could potentially kill them. Israel recognized that and said, no, uh, we will not let Hamas force the conditions of a ceasefire by using hostages. 